And right now you're in the presence of the finest. Cash in the bank is, is not good. And I literally was like, man, what can I buy next? Like, I want to get a larger apartment complex. I want to get a, a more semi truck, something like that. And I was like, really, that's life is the aggressive pursuit of more assets. If we can go out there, we can just acquire, acquire, acquire. And I think it was the quote that I actually just put on my whiteboard. And it says, the rich focus on their asset column while everyone else focuses on their income statement. So I was like, can you truly say that you're rich just because you have cash? Turn this up. Turn Episode this up. 114. Episode Submariner uh-huh. with Bruce. What it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Millionaire himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. I am your host. Raphael, aka Mr. Work Money Life, aka Mr. Podcast Star. You can follow me on Twitter at Work Money Life. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Tweet Talk Pod, that's P O D. Follow my co host Charles on Twitter at Real Todd Billion. Welcome to Tweet Talk, the Black Wealth Podcast, where we dissect financial tweets and talk about building black wealth. And tonight we got a Special guest, the name of Bruce Hill, aka New Skills, New You. Yes, sir. I'm back, baby. Part two. Go watch part one, y'all. That was fire. Episode 106 was fire. Like he said, part two, back again for the first time. Oh, yeah. This this version of me did not exist last time. It's a brand new Bruce. Oh, really? What's changed, man? Oh, man. Execution's changed, man. You read a book. <laughs> I've read a book. books since the last podcast. Really? Yeah, man. This dude is flying. Mindset change, execute. You know what's crazy? I'm down year over year. I'm down 30% of the number of books read. My dad was like, how many books is that? I was like, I'm at 40. He was like, is that really such a bad number? I was like, damn, you're right. <laughs> And I think that's the dope part about setting goals, especially book reading goals. It's like, even if you fall short, man, you're so much further ahead than than 90% of the population. I think I saw a stat that said like most people never read a book ever again once they leave high school. Oh, I got something for this. <laughs> it's right. The, uh, the average adult American reads 0.8 books a year after high school. Right. So that means one of two things. They're picking up books and not finishing them. Or it's taking them five years to read four books. <laughs> All you have to do to be above average is read one book in 12 months. Man, man that's kind of sad. But but reading sets you so far ahead, man. Absolutely. Like reading gives you that in-depth knowledge, that stuff that because I mean to write a book, you can't just write a book and it's just all surface level. Like you got to start digging into some topics and explaining some things in depth. And so the reader is being able to now understand things at depth, which then makes you so much better of an executor, a business person, a sales expert, a stock market investor, whatever you want to be. It just makes you that much better. That's it. That's the tweet. (laughs) Go read a book, pick a time, read a book or five. Show over. (laughs) (laughs) Leave us a tip. What's funny is the, the, pe- the most successful people in history left behind clues. They left behind the whole blueprint behind in these books. You know, it's like Hove did that. So hopefully you don't have to go through that, you know, <laughs> bars, <laughs> you know. So it's like instead of spinning your wheels, grab a book, man, and follow the steps. That's I mean, that's what I do. I am a copycat. I do not figure anything out. I'm not inventing NFTs, guys. I'm going to go read a book. Then I'm going to go try it. And then I'm going to charge you to teach you because you're too lazy to read a book. To read a book. Right. I um, One of the things, two things. I used to always be like that. I, When I wanted to learn how to play golf, I read a book on playing golf. And I learned a lot. When I wanted to learn how to play chess, I read a book on playing chess. When I wanted to learn more about fishing, I read a book on fishing. Mm-hmm. And that's true with anything across the board. The other is what Bruce said is very insightful in that you read the book and you get to teach a course on the book. And the gym is that if you go to college, they're they're not just freestyling. 
It's all from the book too. You get a textbook, sometimes more than one textbook. They assign you a reading from the textbook. They lecture in line with the textbook and they give you homework in the back of the textbook and they give you an exam. I became a good student when I stopped just showing up and I started reading the textbook before I went to class. I used to just like, I, I never, I would get the book and never read the book. I never read the textbook. Oh, I no. literally just, I'll just go to class and like, this is what the lecture for. They're supposed to teach me. I'm gonna listen to the lecture. I'm gonna take notes, blah, blah, blah. And, and then when I started, what I would do then is I would read the book, go to the lecture. I'd understand the lecture is so much better. Then I'm highlighting, I'm kind of getting into the, into the weeds and I'll do the homework. And then I would know it even better. But now what I do is, or what I used to do is I would read it, do the homework before class. And then I'd go to the, to the class, having already read the chapter, already done the homework. I was at a point where I was actually like reading multiple steps ahead, I was chapters ahead in the book. And that's how I became a good student, not just a CB student. I became an A student by taking those extra steps. And so now I want every course that I create to have a book. But then again, you can also create a course off of the book as well. So let's break that down because I wouldn't be new skills, new you if I didn't help give you action items to apply this to your life. So step one is to learn the topic. I personally recommend a physical copy of a book. We can dive into that. Why? Number two is try it. He said there's homework, there's questions in the back of the book. People miss that part. Then you go to the professor or the coach. I promise you, a lot of times people are like, ah, he a scam. He didn't really work for me. They, did, they didn't have the comprehension to take what the coach taught them and apply it. You'll get more money out of coaches if you have some fundamental grasp of the topic. A coach is not the same as a teacher. And a lot of people skip the action item. That's why my books is reading this down this year. It's because I've been doing more execution. People skip. A lot of people just want to jump to the execution. Eh, you can figure it out on the way. But if, if you follow what Charles does, that could cost you a lot of money. If you learn first before you try, it multiplies your results. Mm-hmm. Well, you from the building. Before we go any further, Bruce, remind the, the folks listening who you are. Yes, sir. Bruce Hill, New Skills, New You. I operate on a fundamental principle that one new skill can transform your life. So I help coaches, consultants, and trainers hear yes more often from the right clients by teaching them to ask better questions. Right. And we can find you on social media at... New Skills, New You everywhere, baby. New Skills, uh, Instagram, on Twitter, on YouTube, on Facebook, and I got the dot com. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) New Skills, New You. Now... Been talking about books so far. So far. So far. Now, speaking of books, there's a very popular book that's been out for a while now called The Total Money Makeover. <laughs> yeah. By Mr. Dave Ramsey, who seems to be one of the most hated people in the, the black wealth corner right now. Mm-hmm. Over the past year, I've started to notice this. It's a pretty good book for those of you who never read it, actually. I remember I introduced it to a friend of mine and she was like, man, that book helped me get my house. Mm-hmm. And people hate on it, but she was like, man, after reading that book, I realized I had like 13 credit cards and had to get rid of them. Hmm. I think she closed them out, but she oh, got a, yeah, I disagree with that part, but she, um, no, I don't think she closed them out, but she stopped using them. I forget what, exactly what she did, but she's like, if it wasn't for that book, who knows? I never would have got my house. My position on it is very simple. Mm-hmm. One, I like I like lists. I like action steps. Y'all. One, there are many paths to build wealth. Two, the only thing I personally agree with Dave Ramsey on is having some financial discipline and plan. Everything else we diverge. And three, that advice isn't for everyone. It's like mm-hmm. shoes. I wear a size 15. I can't be wearing everybody's shoes. <laughs> Does that make your shoes better than mine or worse than mine? Not necessarily. They just don't fit. So I feel like a lot of people be trying to make his advice fit. And that's where they get themselves in the trouble. Um, whenever people mention Dave Ramsey, it's always that whole chew the meat and spit out the bones or whatever they whatever that, that yeah. mantra is. <clears throat> but what's interesting is Dave Ramsey helped me out with my personal finance all the time. Because whenever I get in trouble, you know what I do? Debt snowball it out. And mm-hmm. I started working on the baby steps. What's baby step one? $1,000 savings or $1,000 uh, emergency fund or just a thousand dollars saved in general. Most yep. folks don't got a thousand dollars saved. That's it. Hey, listen to David. It ain't nobody out there telling you get a thousand dollars. What they're telling you is buy some Gucci. 
<laughs> or buy a G wagon. Like so it's Dave a tax write off. You know, Ramsey gets a point there. Man, that's what I said. That's financial discipline. I hate. I hate to cut you off, but now you, no, you say don't. that. <laughs> <laughs> now you say that a lot of there's a fair amount of people out there. Their financial advice is to go get a bill. Like mm-hmm. I mean, we even said right, that. Right, right. On here too. Like, but people tell you to go finance a car, expensive car, and that will help you make more money. You think about it, it's right. a little crazy. That's a bill, for, and it ain't a small bill. The G wagon ain't free. No, what's that? A smooth it's money? Not a, it's not a free wagon. <laughs> he said a free wagon, not a G wagon. Oh no! Oh right. man, it is not a free wagon. It is a G wagon, and you know that that's some advice that definitely won't work for everybody. That will leave a lot of people broke. That's it, right there. It doesn't work for everybody. Like if you can cover that expense anyway, then you can use it, rent it out on Turo or hire a car, whatever. But a lot of people aren't in a financial position to make that purchase comfortably. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they end up in an either or position, either pay the rent or we pay the G-Wagon. Right. And Um, they get themselves into a hole. So, you know, also be showing the they don't show the repos on the gram. Nah, we only see the bows. We don't we don't see the repos. We only see the pictures with the bows. We shining, we getting the likes, we saying we blessed. I'm just saying, oh, don't get me started on that. People, we blessed, we blessed. Then something bad. <laughs> Part of the plan. Okay. So, baby steps one through seven save a thousand dollars for your starter emergency fund, pay off all debt except the house using the debt snowball, save three to six months of expenses, and a fully funded emergency fund. I think a lot of people struggle with that. They're like, man, three to six months, that's a lot of money. Four is invest 15% of your household income and retirement. Five, save for your children's college fund. Six, pay off your home early. Seven, build wealth and give a bunch away. That seems pretty reasonable to me. Oh, it's missing a step. What's the step it's missing? And where's the increased income? That's a, that's very important. Listen, and this is where it doesn't fit everyone. If you're making $30,000 a year, there's no amount of saving that's going to get you to, Three, six <laughs> to months. a company. You can't even buy a house yeah. at 30000 Well, you can... They look at about one third of your income. So before taxes, let's let's do the math. Keep it simple. Let's say you make thirty six thousand dollars a year. That's three thousand a month. Your mortgage banker is going to allow you about a thousand dollars a month towards a mortgage, and that's being very generous. Do the math on that. Depending on your credit and down payment, that's a fifty to seventy five thousand dollars house. Yeah. Where where are you living? Detroit? No shade. One of the, <laughs> one of the <laughs> things that I liked when I I was listening to the bees interview. If she mentioned that she was like, one of the first things you have to do is get your income up. And that's why I always tell people that you don't have a money management problem. You have a not enough money to manage problem. So you got to get your income up and that's going to look a lot of different ways. It might look like starting that side business, running them Ubers, doing them churros, doing what like that should be 100% the goal is to get your income up. And then parallel to that, as we increase income and I'm guilty of this, so I'll tell them, I'll tell them myself, we have to be careful not to increase expenses. Yeah. Yeah. And so that comes back around to, again, Dave has a strong, the reason his techniques work for a lot of people is it requires financial discipline, but I think it misses that, that increase of income. Yeah. But I think, I think people, um, People pay t- too much attention to that. Like say that he doesn't talk about increasing your income. Mm-hmm. I think he does. Like, if you listen to his show and stuff like that, but it, it, it's only about so many steps you can put in the baby steps. No, no, no. He be talking about getting a second job. And a, no, no. We talk. I'm talking about starting a business. He talks about that too, man. I'm learning to trade. He be doing whole hours talking about about business, but people don't. People don't. People don't get into all that, man. I've never people don't heard. dig into all that. He I've does, read both his books. If you if you listen to his show, if he listens to his show, he'll do he'll do like a whole hour. He'll do like a small business hour. He'll do a whole hour because he Mm. just do no business backwards and forwards. He does, but it's only but but there's only everybody gotta like kind of niche down. Like there's only so many steps you're gonna put in your baby steps. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you gotta, you can't put everything that you know into one book. And also, how do you quantify that? What do you say? Increase your income fifty percent. <laughs> I mean, ooh, ooh. Yeah, right. I think it's good advice for the consumer, for for the traditional nine to five consumer. I don't know for a business owner. I haven't heard him talk about starting a business. I I couldn't listen to his podcast much longer. I was like, I got better things to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So uh, my thing is like. Part of it is, I think, 
and Charles has talked about this before, not necessarily with specifically Dave Ramsey, but um, other people have said this too. Like you take the good parts, and then there's some stuff that just doesn't fit for black folks. Like you. we I'm need to one. leverage. We need to leverage yeah. stuff. We need to be too far behind to follow everything that other people are doing because we can't do everything exactly the way other people do. We're far, too far behind. I, I would say one of the things because it for Dave Ramsey, his advice is deeper than the baby steps. And so like his whole method, even with buying a house might seem like it's out of reach for a lot of like black folks, because I want to say it's like 15 year mortgage stuff It is it's not it's not no FHA. He don't want you FHA in it. He don't want you no no down paying it. He wants you to put a substantial amount of money down. Yep, no PMI on your mm-hmm. home. And so people are like, bro, like 20 percent down. Yeah, like for two things, a lot of people home ownership and house hacking is how they get out the gap is how they get all these things that he's trying to help you get. And so for us, we have to, we, we can't follow everything strictly because if all it was, was to say, you know what, I'm making 150 grand. I'm just doing too much. Let me go ahead and peel back my, my lavish lifestyle for right. a year, two years. You sell my wagon, right? Right. It's like, nah, folks, like I make 30 grand. It's rough out here. <laughs> I got to right. pay boom, boom, boom. And so like, that's sometimes why his advice can seem a little bit out of touch. And for us, you have to like, we got to probably include our own Dave Ramsey baby step in there where it's like, all right, cool. Because I don't think and that's one of the things that I think we can't do is we can't dismiss the entire person. We'll Mm -hmm. say, you know what? What he said is wrong. So I don't want to hear nothing he has to say at all. And I think that's a mistake because hmm. there's some gems in there. There is Dave, Dave Ramsey is that there aren't a lot of Dave Ramsey's out there. I don't know too many. I mean, right. these days we have more podcasts. We have other people talking about financial independence and whatnot. But prior to like the, the podcast era, Dave was the that dude. It was Dave, Susie Orman and Robert and Kiyosaki was Orman. all we had. That was oh, that dude. Mm-hmm. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop, presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 in side money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. But the thing is... I've got one to stir mm-hmm. to stir the pot a little bit. Someone sent this to me earlier. Said paying rent is an asset. Rent is not a liability. Rent can actually be an asset because you have no risk. You can That's walk dangerous. out the next month. You can leave anytime, and you have total freedom. <laughs> I'm trying to read this with straight face. And freedom <laughs> is an asset. That's what wealthy people get. They understand that. <laughs> Yeah, you could also be asked to leave the next day, too. I mean, yeah, until that eviction notice hits your credit because you ain't satisfied the requirements of the lease. <laughs> I, I don't think we talked about this on the podcast, but last week I helped my my grandfather move his apartment. That, did we talk about this in the show? I don't think so. Yeah, I think we did when Sophia was on. I think so. Yeah. Oh, well, it reminds me of, of this. Like they had they pro- that's probably why they moved. Sometimes though, you can get stuck, man, especially in California, because before you know it, my parents paid $350,000 for the house that they live in now. Homes next door selling for $700,000 now. So if you didn't buy when it was selling for $350,000, you now can't afford to pay $700,000. Now you got to go move all the way out there and you got to go somewhere else. But my grandfather, they paid $450,000 in rent. When they had the house, they probably probably paid like 80 grand for the house. This was a long time ago. In San Diego, California, it's a half million dollar house now that they didn't. So now not only do they leave the they, like they're leaving the apartment with nothing. They had to beg these people to renovate it because they lived there for 29 years. They're like, bro, like y'all can at least put some new carpet in here. I can at least put some you can upgrade it to the standard of what everybody else is paying now. I've even, even seen people who didn't live there that long who were like, man, they're trying to charge us two grand to live here now. He's like, I got to go. He was like, man, folks barely surviving. It was, a, it was a dude and he lived there. And I was like, man, like San Diego is rough. I mean, two grand doesn't seem like that much money. But when you're working a day job, whatever, if you're not internet rich, then $2,000 is a lot of money to pay for rent, especially when you got kids in real life and car notes True. and kids. You're trying to do things. So 
That statement isn't allowed on this podcast. We don't believe in renting long term. We believe in pursuing ownership by any means. Yes. Now that we agree on that, we agree on. Uh, I don't get into uh, an argument on semantics, right? Is a house a liability or is it an asset or is it an investment? At the end of the day, ownership is the step towards wealth. Right. And it's funny, like you're going to tell other black folks that they should be renting because, quote unquote, that's what rich people do. But who are you going to end up paying the rent to? But that's the thing. That's the thing. If you're rich, you want to rent. It's different. Right. Like, I feel like because you already own houses, you already have ownership. Now it's an option because if, if for whatever reason, the building burned down or you just didn't feel like it, you could move. You have the, right. the income expenses or credit to move anywhere in the U.S., maybe the world on a week's notice. But moving is probably one of the largest expenses uh, short of a car for the average American. That you don't have freedom now. You're you're what did Charles say? You're stuck because you go. What do you go from two thousand a month to twenty one hundred a month, <laughs> like that, or or two thousand to nineteen hundred? Okay, you save a hundred dollars. Whoo, that's yeah. you know. Here comes retirement. Like, no, let's be realistic here. Um, I would say one of the things that I've brought up before is we have to pay. We have to be careful not to confuse correlation with causation. Oh, go ahead and talk about that. that. If you're rich and you rent, is that why you rent or is that just something you do and you're rich at the same time? Meaning what that. Right, right. Did you rent your way to being wealthy? Let's right. Exactly. <laughs> Probably <laughs> not. Right. I rented for 30 years. Now I'm a millionaire. Uh, so no one ever. <laughs> right. Not I mean, especially not people who and I tell people like you got to get into a position where you get equity on your side, If especially if you live in California. So if you don't live in California and your only source of anything is just working, you're going to be struggling for a very long time because if you look at like the data, the cost of everything has increased, but wages have stayed the same. So the average working persons make around 30 to 40 grand. It's been that way for the past 20 years. 20 years. But everything else has gone up. The cost of gas has gone up. The cost of food has gone up. The cost of clothing has gone up. The cost, the cost of vehicles have gone up astronomically. And so if you're not investing, you're basically, like somebody said, taking a pay cut every year. Every year you're taking a pay cut because your money goes less far the next year than it did the year before. You have to invest. And so you have to get equity on your side and you have to shift from throwing your money away to at least growing. Let's just say all things being equal, like how much money that comes out of your pocket is the same. Okay. Renting versus owning. But at the end of 10 years, that home is worth double. Yeah, you might not have saved any money out of pocket, but you gained equity. Now you're leaving with $150,000. That equity is life-changing money. That equity is legacy-building money. That equity is the generational wealth that people are talking about. It's just they had grandparents who bought a home and kept it. And kept so it. It is selfish to not own. Ooh. Because think uh, like he's he just had a birthday and love him, all that stuff. But you have to think about it. Like, what are you leaving your people? Because you made a decision to just like do some fake rich people stuff. That's like the people who would like buy Louis Vuitton and buy Gucci and be like, I'm rich because I bought Louis and bought Gucci. No. Yeah, there might be rich people that have Gucci and Louis, but you don't become rich by default because you wear what they wear. Or you do what they do. I got a Benz. Now I'm rich. No, you look rich. I got a luxury loft in Miami. Now, no, you look rich. I don't want to look rich. I want to be rich. Mm. I want my kids to be rich. I mm. want their kids to be rich. So I got to do real rich people stuff that yields. Yeah, and it, you get to keep your housing expense, but that mortgage stays the same for the 15, 30 years. Instead, of having, instead of having rent increases every year, and then, or you got to move all the you rent chasing. Oh, rent went up too high. So now let me move another 10 minutes out away from my job to get cheaper rent. And then another two years, I got to move another 20 minutes away to get even cheaper rent. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Instead of just keeping your, your expenses more uh, level. But what I really don't like about it is who are you going to be paying that rent to? Yeah. If we behind in the wealth, in the wealth get the wealth race and your suggestion is to pay rent forever to the people who got the wealth already. Doesn't make sense to me. But my thing is, what I wanted to talk about, too, is the last thing about Dave Ramsey. So many people are hating on Dave Ramsey, but one of the reasons we know that they're really hating on him is why? Because he's big already. Not so much that he's... Huh? You, you think so? Yeah, because he's an easy target. Mm. Yes, I understand they not they don't agree with some of his advice, but don't act like the dude is a scammer. 
But it's easy to go after the, somebody who's successful. Mm, I never thought of that. Dave Ramsey's the biggest dog out there. No matter what, you might not think so. You might not think about it, but he's the biggest one. He's bigger than Susie Orman. Yeah. There's nobody bigger than Dave Ramsey in the personal finance space. So who are you going to go after? You're not going to go after somebody on Twitter that got 300 followers. <laughs> Yeah, right. a lot of it is just like leveraging. Some people leverage other people's names to grow their name. That's what I've seen when you look at like the people who have those YouTube videos and they're like, oh, Mr. Organic, blah, 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 or right. earn your leisure, blah, 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 him 500, blah, blah, blah. Like they're leveraging somebody else's brand to grow theirs. Um, and I, I honestly, the funny thing about that Dave Ramsey tweet is I actually have used it for content before. <laughs> Um, yeah, but when I saw it, when I saw it, I was like, I've done that before because it, it helps. Everybody knows who he is. It helps when right. everybody can relate to who you are leveraging. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. And I wouldn't even tell people to stop doing it. Like, do it. Raise your platform by leveraging his his content. Just don't be a hater. But I mean, if you if you honestly disagree, then disagree. Like Kezia, Kezia Williams from the Black Upstart, when yeah. she. When she put up, when she put out her content, and she said, "I disagree with this Ramsey on this, this, and this," she did it without disrespecting him. Yeah, she didn't call him a scammer. She didn't call him any names. Mm-hmm. She said, "He says this. I disrespect. I dis. I disagree with him on this, this, and this. This is what he says, and this is what I say." It seems like she kind of agrees with what he's saying a little bit. There was there was some some overlap. Yeah, I but think she, it's old. Most people don't invest in mutual funds anymore. Like, no. It's not even a thing. <laughs> no. Right, that's straight. Yeah, straight up mutual funds. That that's and if he's saying, I didn't, I never know that he even said don't invest in ETS, which is a little weird to me. Well, you know what? I know why he's. I think pretty sure I know why he says that. Yeah, I'd like to hear it. So I think his whole Make sure you read these ETS comments, though, if you don't see him. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching. I keep an eye on him. Um, the reason I think he says don't, he doesn't suggest ETS is because they're so easy to buy and sell. He doesn't want. He's his big thing is the discipline. He doesn't want you jumping in and out. That's what I think he has a problem with mm-hmm. because you can buy and sell it easy like a stock. Hmm. And that's the reason why I'm pretty sure that's why he disagrees with ETS because they're practically the same thing as. The mutual funds as far as holdings. That's actually a very good good point, Raphael. You might be honest. I never thought about that. It's funny because sometimes sometimes the worst investments are like the worst trades will make great investments. Oh you ever experienced that? You ever you ever bought something? (laughs) I was saying I said sometimes bad trades make good investments because your emotions. I'm, I'm rereading Rich Dad Poor Dad right now, and I have a strategy where I listen to the book, then I go back and read it to see the gems that I caught, which is kind of cool. You get to focus on a little bit more when you're looking at the page. And um, what I found is sometimes, like, you bought it for the right reason. It's just your, once you get money involved, and you see the money going up and down and moving sideways. You'd be like, "Bruh, I need to get. I need to do something." And so, um, you can you can you can sell something that you should have held. Like I used to, I own Tesla like a hundred bucks a share and I made good money. I thought it was the man. And if I would have held it, I would have made so much money, Raphael. I had a good amount of money in that stock, a good amount of money. And if I'd have held it at a hundred bucks, this is pre pre split split. This is pre five times split after it went from a hundred bucks a share to like $2,000 a share. Then it split and it went right back up to 1200. Oh man. You can't think about stuff like that. I'll keep you up at night. So now what I try to do is I do try to make investments to just like never think about them again. So I'm trying to do some stuff like that. But I think that's a good observation. I never thought about that, like mutual funds as opposed to ETFs. I don't know. Are they are they actively managed? I think some are. But ETFs? They have different, they have different kinds. No, the mutual funds. Um, I feel like we're getting if it's If it's like Vanguard, if it's Vanguard, it's not really, it's not really, um, it's not actively right. managed. It depends. Okay. When I was at when I was at JP Morgan Chase, we used to have it was effectively a mutual fund, but they were literally managed funds. So they're rebalancing, going in and out of stuff. You're you're seeing the trades take place in your account. So all right. So let's answer this one question in the chat before we jump on to the Can we tweets? read the comment first? Yeah, yeah, that's what you said. There's a comment, there's a comment, there's a question. Yeah, is it's a all right. Okay. So Jabraz says Dave makes you put a spotlight on your debt and focus on paying it off. Most people and gurus want you to ignore that. That's true. That's actually true. But then Jabraz asks, Do you think there will be a correction in the market this year? Oh, here we go. Tech, C- <laughs> Tech CEO selling off a lot of stock. Is that a sign? Honestly, man, it's tough for me to answer that question because 
you got to look at why you own something. Are you owning it because you want to make money short term? Are you owning it because you think it's a good company that's going to make money long term? If it's a good company that's going to make long term, none of that stuff will matter because today's highs are tomorrow's lows. And so what you're seeing, it's kind of like we just talked about, like you're going to be over here like, man, I should take profits now. It's so high. That's not going to matter in 10 years. You can be over here like, dang, why did I sell it so low? So I think that as long as you're in a good, healthy tech company that makes sense, even if it does go low, ride the dip. I recently lost a good amount of money due to the Omicron variant scare because all my travel stuff sold off. And I was like, bro, like, I'm not selling this stuff. It's going to come back. It, it always comes back. And it came back today. We did a really good day today. And it's like the market is so weird. It's like when it's going down, it's all doom and gloom. And then when it goes up, it's never been better. And so it's like, you just got to kind of like hold on for the ride. It's a roller coaster. Um, so I wouldn't, I, even if it does sell off or if there's a correction, don't be tripping out. Hold on to your stuff, double down, buy more, average into your position and and just play the long game. I will add to this. I, again, there's multiple paths. I like what Robert Kiyosaki's, I don't know if you got to this part in the book where he wanted to buy a porch. And so instead of taking the cash and buying the vehicle, he took the cash and bought a commercial property. Then he took the cash flow from that property to purchase and pay off the porch. And the point he made was at the end of the day, the porch is going to get paid off, but he'll still have the property. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I was struggling with for. I have a vehicle. I don't really use it. And I'm like, it would have been tough to trade it. And I I could pay it off. Really don't want to get rid of cash and go part of the cash I don't have. So I've got on Toro. Shout out to Charles Ogilvy for the Toro boss class. Go grab that. And so now someone else is paying it off. Mm-hmm. So I like I like Robert Kiyosaki. I could be using my cash to pay it off, but why would I do that? Yeah. When I was reading that book, man, I was like, I need more assets, fam. Yeah, <laughs> I need more in the asset column. He said something about I just it, I for, I forget the particular quote, but it really just makes you realize like your life should just be owning a bunch of assets that just generate income. And so cash in the bank is is not good. And I literally was like, man, what can I buy next? Like, I want to get a larger apartment complex. I want to get a, a more semi truck, something like that. And I was like, really, that's life is the aggressive pursuit of more assets. If we can go out there, we can just acquire, acquire, acquire. I think it was the quote that I actually just put on my whiteboard. And it says, the rich focus on their asset column while everyone else focuses on their income statement. So I was like, can you truly say that you're rich just because you have cash? Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale to find out more details hit us up on the link in the bio on instagram at partner with millie or on instagram at todd.capital or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash todd capital and even if it's stocks like even with the stocks quite honestly the intelligent thing for the stocks would be to leverage the stocks don't pull the cash out leverage them do an m1 get a low interest loan and now we're going to go put that into some apartment complexes that are then going to pay off the debt like that's where our minds need to be. So what advice do y'all have for someone who's just getting started? They make 30,000, you know, the, the, the listen to Robert Kiyosaki, Chuck Hogan, Sue Zorman, Dave Ramsey, and they don't know where to start. Like what's, what's step one? All right. Let me, let me jump in before uh, Mr. 3.7 does. I should put that on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I would say like literally, if you only at literally at 30 K, there's nothing wrong with starting with a second, a second job starting there. Okay. Or getting some kind of hustle on the side. Okay. A hustle, a hustle probably will be better than a second job, a literally second job. But if you got a, if you got a car, start doing Uber. Anything to get some income in that hopefully you don't need to use, that you could get some kind of stash. Okay. And and your first goal, your first idea should be financial freedom instead of thinking getting rich. And, and think of financial freedom as eliminating expenses hmm. to where you can find something, a hustle or something that can replace a bill. Just start with a bill. Can you get $10 a month? Can you scrape together? Can you work a job and get some cash together and scrape up enough money to get enough of a dividend 
enough shares of a dividend stock that will pay you 10 cents a month each that will price one bill. Mm. Like every week you get some extra cash and you buy some more of a dividend paying stock and you put it up till you get to like $10 a month, which don't sound like nothing, but maybe you got a bill that's $10 a month or 50 a month or a hundred a month. Now that's not crazy money, but if you've got enough dividend paying stocks that can cover one bill that you don't have to work your ass off to pay, that's progress. But I'm going to take Charles take it from there. Yeah, I think that was a good, that's, I mean, that's basically the foundation that I always talk about. This could be a course, how to get free. Um, I would just say it's going to take a lot of work. Somebody mentioned, he said that if you're starting from something from nothing, you're going to have to sacrifice three to five years. And that three to five years is going to look like no weekends. It's going to look like no vacations. It's going to look like no real fun stuff for a while. And there's nothing wrong with that, in my opinion. I think that what's going to really, what I think is important is to still grind it out on your job. Um, So I would say grind it out on your job. And I'd also say, I think people should grind it out on the weekends and the evenings. Because one of the things that I found out is that running a business actually doesn't take that much work. That's that's one of the important points I make. I still have my nine to five, but I'm going to business. And the whole point is not to add more hours to my week. And I really want to force myself like, man, I got to get the most done in the least amount of time because I got to go to work tomorrow. I'm on my lunch break. And I feel like a lot of people, when they have too much time, they get very little bit done. Uh, It's called a Parkinson's principle, actually. Y'all heard of that one? Is that the one where it's like the work grows to fit the time you're assigned to it? The amount of work you have to do will fill the amount of time you have to do it. Yeah. Been there, done that. Right. Yeah. Um, I would say so. The reason why I say that you still got to work is because a lot of times you, people don't have the ability to drive in income from where they are in that moment. Right. Maybe they don't have the skills. Maybe they don't have the capital. Maybe they're just not there yet, but they will get there. And so they're still going to have to work a job and just be frugal and be intelligent with their money in the meantime while increasing their income, creating a product. I think that honestly, creating a product and selling it online is the biggest, most best thing that you can do. Um, Packaging up the same skills that you have on your job and marketing it to the world. I think that's very important because the world is massive. And I always tell people that it's best to get the money from the world, not your job. So in terms of that, I think that you start with the skills that you have. If you're in sales, if you're in marketing, if you're in management, if you're a consultant, there's somebody out there who I met at a conference and he was like, oh yeah, I'm a management consultant, but I don't know what I can create to do that. And like, Create the same thing that you're doing for them and just package up and put it online and just sell it to the actual company. I was like, it's possible to sell to a business as opposed to just selling to a direct consumer. And so essentially what I'm saying is that there's a lot of different things you should be doing and you should probably be doing all those different things. There's no one path to do it. There's a lot of different things that um, you should pursue. I think partnering up with other people to buy assets is really important. So where you are, if you can get to be a part of a group where you're just putting in like $1,000, $2,000, $5,000 to buy some stuff that's going to get your, Group your experience up. So I think that's a way and um, taking those same skills, building out that consulting company, creating some products based off of your intelligence, I think is, is, is huge. I'm not big on physical products because they're just <laughs> not fun unless you can figure <laughs> out a way to get the margins higher. It's just, a, it's a burden. But I think that with the views brand, it's just so new, but people do love it, man. I, I mean, look, people, people love the bags. They be buying the bags and it just takes time to build a brand. And so you can't expect just because you've established brand success in one space for it to translate to something that's completely different. But if you follow the same path and you have that three to five year timeline, you can crush it in, in any business. You has got to be patient. Okay. I like it. Can I touch on that, that, that question again real quick before we move on? Um, it's your show, Bruce. Raphael. Yeah, you're the boss. So the question is like, let's say somebody is out there, they're only making 25, 30K a year. But now let's say this person is doing like manual labor, but it's not skilled labor. Let's say um, they're at McDonald's, they're working in a warehouse, but they don't have the type of skills that they can actually turn into like a course or a digital product. Ah, uh, that was, okay, sorry, go ahead. No, but I'm saying that this, let's say- no, that, that was my answer to my own question is I always thought the most important investment is yourself. If I right. could teach, if you can teach yourself a new skill, you can create a new life for yourself. And that includes income. I'm helping, I'm helping a friend right now um, study uh, to be a data analyst. 
to get started about a five or six week program, trying to find something under 300 bucks, which could be a lot for some people. But think about it. If $300 could add 10 grand to your annual income, now you can skill up and you can skill up and you can skill up new skills, new you. Right. Now we can have some conversations about buying some dividend stocks because now I got extra because I increased my income and not my expenses. And so I feel like it starts with new skills before I go hustle, before I go mm-hmm. want to increase my skills. And um, you don't need to go to school to do that. Yeah, that's where I was that's what I was getting to, but um, I would say first the hustle. Okay. That's what I was saying. That's why I said to start second job or a hustle and get the cash up. And then maybe you could pay for a class or something. And then you get skills that are marketable that maybe you could get a better job. Pay for a class, listen to and podcasts, then get experience, build up your skills. And then from there, you can start getting more skills and then maybe start packaging up those skills and then you can turn that into a digital product. The crazy thing about it is it's like a ladder. You go from like working, then you get whatever skill you have and that skill should be able to still make you money. Like I still made about $3,000 last week trading options. So it's like, just because you can make millions teaching a skill doesn't mean you still can't make thousands applying it. You don't got to make millions applying the skill. I interviewed somebody who's very successful in trading. And quite honestly, they didn't start doing big, big stuff until their course took off. Isn't that crazy? Like I was looking at the timeline. I was like, okay. They're like, okay. So am I in the actual concept of what I'm doing? I didn't start making million dollar profit, crazy profit until 2019, 2020, 2021. And I was like, that's interesting. Because the world is so huge, but she was already successful before the course. She was already free before the course. The course is going to make you freer. So the skill sets you free. The skill sets you free. And you can get there by getting a course that's more than likely affordable. Interestingly enough, I saw that the Hartzogs had taken uh, Chris's Chris's course and I had gotten value from the course and it helped me make money in, in e-com and leverage marketing plays I didn't think about. And I didn't know that the Hartzogs had listened to the same course. I was like, that's interesting. Like they listened to the same course. They made about a hundred grand and then applying some other stuff. They made like a hundred grand last month off a $50 course, man, a $50 course. So I think, yo, that's a message. Like, don't, don't miss that y'all. Like, you don't have to be a millionaire to create a course. You just have to have some success. Did you lose 10 pounds? That's a course. Do you have uh, 10 five-star reviews on Toro? That's a course. Do you know how to screen print t-shirts? That's a course. Look, do you know how to make your bed? You could teach parents, (laughs) kids how to make their bed. Bro, please don't overthink this. Now, you might move up a little bit. How to decorate your kid's room. You move up a little bit. How to interior decorate the whole house. Move up a little bit. How to start your interior decorating business. A lot of people try and start at the end. Mm. Yeah. The crazy part about it is, I forgot one of the examples you used, but if you've done something that other people want to do, that's valuable. It doesn't say that if you've done something that nobody has ever done, or if you've done something that's like the best you've ever done. It's like, if you've done something that is admirable to somebody that is valuable. And I think that it's so cool because a lot of us are struggling for the lack of knowledge, for the lack of this information, for the lack of having the knowledge of business credit. None of us knew that business credit really exists. We always thought business loans, they ain't giving black people loans. And so folks are like, oh, we're never going to be able to get into business because they won't give us money. Well, that excuse got eliminated. What else? What else is a course that people have, people thought they couldn't make money in the stock market unless they had a bunch of money. That excuse got eliminated. Yep. People thought that they couldn't own a semi truck unless there is some old white man. That excuse got eliminated. We all got semi trucks now. <laughs> people thought they probably couldn't own real estate or do flips. Those excuses got eliminated through information because we shared that information that was valuable to people and it's helped people and it's likely more valuable than the cost of what they paid for it. It's a wonderful thing, man. And it's actually a very big thing too. Like ed tech is what I'm is what it's called is a big deal. That's a that's probably actually I don't know if I told you this how I started as an entrepreneur. Um I've spent years on the phones. So when I'm talking to people, it sounds a little different than maybe the average person. And so I had joined the Toastmasters and I was giving them those little speeches. And so people started asking me like, yo, can you help me 
give speeches like you do. I'm like, sure, no problem. So I'm walking them through. And teaching really is the next level of learning. It really is. Because I'm like, okay, how do I explain this to someone who hasn't done it before? And so at the end, I remember this changed my life. It was like, how much do I owe you? I've been employed for my whole life. I never, no one had ever given me any money other than my birthday, right? No one had given me any money because of my knowledge experience. And I was like, hundred bucks. They're like, oh, that's it? Give me a hundred bucks. That changed my whole life. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, I can charge people for what I do every day. So there's something that you do, you listening to this, that you can leverage, that you can help make some lives better, add some value and add some income to your pocket. So then what did you do next? Like, where did you go from there? Uh, so it was, it was parallel to this. That's when I started reading. I tell the story all the time. My buddy, I think December 2014. No, excuse me, December 2015. Mm-hmm. He uh, he was like, Bruce, we're going to read 12 books next year. I'm like, oh, 12 books. It's a lot of books. And so 2016 rolls around. I accidentally read five of the books in January. <laughs> I was like, oh, snap. If I can read one book a week, like I really could hit 52 books in a year. And one of the books I read was Grant Cardone's 10X Rule. Shout out to the Todd Capital Mastermind. We read that again this year. And when I was reading the 10X Rule, he said the average CEO reads 60 books a year and attends six conferences. So that's what I did. I thought CEOs were the big bosses, but I didn't realize that the person running the company was behind the person that started the company. Mm-hmm. And once I had experience entrepreneurship, right, adding my time and experience for money, then I saw this concept of entrepreneurship and building a business around it, not just creating a job for myself. That's where it really evolved. And to be transparent, New Skills New Year is my eighth attempt at business, not hustling like out of business. And one of my favorite Robert Kiyosaki quotes, he says, hey, I want to start a business. His friend says, you know, nine out of 10 businesses fail. So Robert tells him, OK, well, my foolproof plan is I'm going to make oh, 10 businesses. businesses. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got some coaches. I got some help. I got some huge support. Shout out to Rafael. Shout out to Charles, uh, where I hope this eighth times the charm. But what I had to stop doing was try and reinvent some brand new thing to help people and to make money. Actually, I was just trying to make money. But when I created New Skills New it really is to help folks grow their business and transform their life. And I've added a lot of value. And I know I have because I'm seeing five-star reviews, I'm getting referrals, and the income's going up. So I'm really excited to share with y'all. Like, it's possible. And I still work nine to five. I ain't telling you to quit your job. But if you can have an extra thousand, extra two thousand, extra three thousand a month, what would that do for your life? Right. Well, let me ask you this, though. And this is a serious question. This is your eighth try at a business. Mm-hmm. But did, did you level up every time? Absolutely. Less hours and more money every time. Really? Absolutely. So that's skills. That's the kind of failure. That's the kind of failure we can we can live with. Well, it's one of my favorite books, Failing Forward by John Maxwell. Failing Forward. Absolutely. I, I went, I like what Nelson Mandela said. I never lose. I either win or I learn. Gotcha. So if you are a new or aspiring entrepreneur <laughs> that needs help starting your business, you don't know where to go from here. How about your boy? New skills, new you on Instagram. Gotcha. Right. So reach out to Bruce. Let him get. Give you some coaching, man. New skills, new you. Let them know again how they can find you on social media, Bruce. New skills, new you. No spaces, dashes, underlines. New skills, new you. Instagram is the best way. And this is where I can improve as a business owner. It's automating this. But right now, I mean, if you're listening to this in 2022, I ain't famous yet. So I respond to every DM. Mm -hmm. Maybe a few months from now, you're going to get an automated message. Right, 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 right. I I would say... Do not be ashamed if your business is not automated yet. I know a lot of folks, they're being sold this idea that like, if it ain't automated, you ain't in business and all this other stuff, man. Some of the the best connections that you can make come from genuinely interacting in the DMs with your customers, genuinely responding to the comments until it gets overwhelming. You're just like running around in circles. Like I didn't stop responding to DMs until I, I just couldn't handle them. It was just too much. Um, it slowed down a little bit now. So I'm, I get back to people if it's not spam. It's a ton of spam in there. But <laughs> you got a business, even if it's not 100% hands-off, hands-free, get in the mud. I actually have to head out. So we might have to cut this episode. I don't even think it's short. How long have we been on? It's not short. It's not short. Yeah, it's been on like 45 minutes, y'all. We got nine people watching. Make sure you subscribe. I'm at 3.99 followers. I should definitely have or subscribers. I should have 4,000 by the time this is over. He said it so aggressively. Before we go, <laughs> I do want to answer Jabras's question. He said, do you prefer 
Turo or the Singa Fleming Holmes from a cash perspective? And the answer on one hand, I would say F them tenants, but also it's like all assets <laughs> matter, man. I'm all assets matter. Successful people don't believe in either or. So big ones, little ones, round ones. We're gonna get these homes. We're gonna get these vending machines. We're gonna get anything that generates income that does not require me asking another man for said income. And without, with that, take us out, Rafael. We're gonna, we're gonna be doing this every night, y'all. Until we talk yeah. live. Rafael's gonna get sick of me, but he's gonna become massively successful. He's gonna get yeah. sick of me. I'm gonna be like, Rafael, let's get it. And then he's going to be having more money than he can ever deal with. And he's going to be like, Charles, push me. You got to push folks, man. <laughs> Part of being a coach is pushing people past where they're comfortable. And they're going to get mad at you and they're going to hate you. But then they're going to be like celebrating you when they're holding the trophy up. And they be that, like, yeah, you know what? That Charles went so bad after all. Drying my eyes with $100 bills. <laughs> sure. No, that's my favorite thing to do. Like, you have a coaching client resist you and then they call you back a week later like, I did it. And they signed <laughs> I have one client. She had her largest, her largest customer because she practiced what I told you know how good it feels to help make other people money. Like, Charles, you know what I'm talking about. That's just, just a different level of satisfying. Yeah, man. Helping other people. It's best. So be sure to follow our guest, Bruce Hill, a.k.a. New Skills with you on across all social media platforms with the handle at New Skills New You. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Tweet Talk Pod. That's P O D. Follow myself, Raphael, at Work Money Life on Twitter. Follow Charles on Twitter at Real Todd Billion. Follow us on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. Follow Charles on Instagram at Todd Billion and also at Todd.Capital. Be sure to subscribe to the new YouTube channel to search for Tweet Talk Podcast. And I'm going to leave you guys with one last thought. First tweet talk without tweets. I bet right. you guys even realize that. Leave you with one last thought from Charles. We had a tweet. And we're going to talk about this on the next episode since we didn't get to talk on this one. But leave you this one last thought. Having a 30-year mortgage is ghetto. <laughs> For episode 114 of Tweet Talk the Black World Podcast be your host, Rafaela Charles and guest Bruce Hill, a.k.a. New Skills, New You. We are out of here. Yes, this is Donald the Voice, the official podcast editor and producer of the Tweet Talk podcast featuring, of course, Charles Oglesby and the man Raphael Husbands. And look, man, if you just listen to this episode, then you know exactly what I'm capable of. You know my swag. You know what I can do. And so without any further ado, I kind of want to give you a special offer for Tweet Talk podcast episode listeners. And here's what it is. Head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. And if you have podcasts or video editing needs, let's talk. And of course, I'm giving you a real, real nice deal. But you have to mention that you're a Tweet Talk podcast listener. And this offer isn't going to last forever. So if you're on social media or you have a business or you got something going on to where you need somebody to edit and produce your content, come and holla at your boy. And I promise to take care of you, our dedicated listener to the Tweet Talk podcast. Again, head over to DonaldTheVoice.com and hit the contact page and let's have a little conversation. Okay, back to your day, your evening, your morning, whatever's going on. Peace.